Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Roshini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or a ripped from the headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Today, I've got two members of the Crisis Squad with me. Dr. Cheryl Ziegler is a clinical psychologist and author who specializes in mommy burnout and wellness in the workplace. Jennifer Hellman is CEO of Golf Public. She's a public relations and reputation management professional who helps business and nonprofit clients. Today, we get into a topic everyone can relate to, whether in our public lives or our personal lives, a case file I call apology or not. Dr. Ziegler and Jen, I know you both teach your clients about what makes a good, as well as an unsavory apology. Let's get to the emotions first, Dr. Z. What do you want to see in an apology? The first thing I want to see is sincerity and a full acceptance of responsibility. So what people often do is make excuses, sometimes blame others, or only take partial responsibility. And so that's really the key is fully owning this and expressing a sincere sense of remorse or regret and leaving it at that. All right, Jen, what is a good apology in your mind? Well, when you're thinking about it from a public relations perspective, you're thinking about a business or a leader or a celebrity apologizing. And it's not really any different than the way that you'd be apologizing in your personal life. Sincerity, absolutely important. Not using filler words, having an action associated with it. Why are you apologizing and what are you going to do about it? And we've really seen, especially in the public life, right, celebrities where apologies have gone wrong and then they have to do a second apology or a rebuttal. I mean, what I think comes to mind really easily is now going on maybe eight years ago, the CEO of Lululemon. And when he was talking about, well, some women just shouldn't wear our yoga pants, that was not the way to apologize. And my guess is, Dr. Z, you didn't like that either from a clinical psychological standpoint. No. I mean, I can always look at the bright side, right? The bright side was that really got us talking about a lot of different issues when that came out. Um, And maybe in the end was uh, positive. You know, I think a lot of actual body positivity came out of that situation. However, I think one of the keys, you know, whether it's that story or another, is also to have an explanation. And this is where it gets hard. Have an explanation for why. Why were you naive or uneducated about a topic or just really wrong in your thinking? And that's where it gets even trickier because it can sound like an excuse. There's a fine line between I understand that I did something wrong and here's why I was uneducated versus I did something wrong, but... I also just didn't know, right? And there's a really fine line between the two. There is an art of an apology, and you have to give it thought before you do it, whether it's personally or professionally. What you don't want to happen is to get sucked into having to apologize multiple times. 
We've seen this happen many times. Somebody comes out with an apology, the public doesn't like it, or if it's personal, you don't like the way that you've been apologized to, and we will continue to hold people accountable until they apologize the right way. So it's important to put some thought into it from the beginning. So important. And you bring up a point, Jen, which makes me think about an article I recently read in Experience Life magazine where they talked about the languages of apology. So we've heard about love languages. The same psychological couple, their uh, psychologists who brought us the love language book, bring us the five languages of apology. And so it's really how you have an ability to accept an apology from someone is directly related to your apology style or your definition. So the five different ones, and I think between the two of you, you've sort of covered them all, but the five different distinct ones, expressing regret, accepting responsibility, making restitution, planning change, and requesting forgiveness. So Dr. Z, what's your take on all of our ability, and Jen mentions the public's reaction when an apology goes wrong. So that's all of us not buying an apology. What's your take on you really need to match the apology language in order to have an effective apology? Well, I love that. And I hope that the the five apology languages become as popular as the five love languages because each one of them are really important. They all have their own step to it. And one of the things that stands out for me is making restitution, right? So how do you actually make up for this? Can you make up for it? Sometimes you can, and sometimes it seems really difficult to do that. And so I think there is, just like Jen was saying, there's an art to this. There's an art to making those five steps flow. And what I tell people is just practice. You just have to practice this. And one of the things that is very intimidating is just that feeling of like, you know, I'm, I said I was sorry. They didn't seem to forgive me. And so I just have to move on. What else am I going to do? And that's where the thoughtfulness that Jen was talking about really comes into play. Like, and that's huh. where we know you have a different apology language than the person yes. you're apologizing to. Yes, exactly. And apology languages work when you have an existing relationship with the person you're apologizing to and you understand what they're going to need to hear. I think when you're making a public apology, that gets trickier because everyone is going to receive that apology in a different way. Where you can't get hung up is trying to appease everyone because we know it's not going to happen. So that's really thinking then about your apology language and what is most authentic and meaningful to you. Putting that out there, having some action, and then making sure you're going to follow up on it. So let's talk about this requesting forgiveness apology language. So not everyone will align with one of these languages, and sometimes all five are needed to have a successful apology. But that being said, let's look at requesting forgiveness from the personal side, Dr. Z. And then I want to ask Jen about the public side. So how do you do that? I mean, some people actually need you to say, please forgive me. That is not easy for some people to say to someone else. It certainly is not. And here's the nice thing about the requesting forgiveness. It's actually about time. So it doesn't mean right now in this moment, can I request your forgiveness? Do you forgive me? That's not it, right? That puts the other person on the spot and maybe they don't forgive you in this moment. I practice this even with my own kids. I'll say to them, maybe you need to take some time and think about that. And so that's one of the key elements about requesting forgiveness is allowing the other person time to really process this. Can you find the time? Could we find another time to talk about it? 
can you think about this? It just gives them space, enough time to really think about what would feel good to them or if they need anything else to really rectify the situation. I like that, the heads up. From a public standpoint, Jen, thinking about those business people out there, young athletes that are getting higher profiles, these kinds of things that might actually need to request forgiveness, does it hurt their brand? Does it hurt the company brand when any leader is publicly doing that? No, I don't think apologies hurt brands at all. In fact, I think it helps brands. I think about individual athletes, right, who mess up. I was just watching the Tiger Woods documentary and watching his apology after all of his infidelity came to light. And there was questions about whether he should apologize in that situation because the question was around he should be apologizing to his wife, to his family. Did he really owe an apology to the public? I think it's okay to apologize to the public to say, I know I didn't live up to the ideals that you had of of me. me. Yeah. My brand, maybe even. Right. But I don't think you're asking the public in that case for forgiveness. I think you're telling the public, I recognize I did something against who you thought I was. I messed up. This isn't who I want to be. It isn't who I want to be going forward. But you're not asking them for something in return. At that point, all you can do is move forward in a more consistent alignment with your values to be able to show and demonstrate that that was an authentic apology. Let's talk about moving forward. And, you know, the Tiger Woods example, we were talking about sex addiction for a while after all of that. So sometimes these public mess ups lead to constructive conversations about issues that society should be having or wants to be having but can't, but for the mess up of some high profile person. All right. So moving forward, each of your takes on this. Dr. Z, once an apology has happened, how do you move forward so you don't keep on bringing it back up? I think that's a great one to make sure you've checked in with the person. Sometimes there's that pressure to say, I'm sorry, you know, do you forgive me? And there's pressure on the other side for the person to say, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I think it really shows a lot when the person can come back around and say, you know, I just want to check in with you. It's been about a week since our last conversation. I'm wondering how you've been feeling about things. I think that's really a key element to making sure in an authentic way, feelings have been understood, restitution has happened, and that truly you can move forward. Check in. One point I want to make is that when you're thinking about business leaders, you don't have to be in the news to have a need to apologize. Sometimes there's a reason to talk to internal audiences, to your employees, to your business partners, to others. I think sometimes people wait too long for something to become public. But even in our business lives, there are opportunities to make things right, to have these conversations and not wait until it has become public. Great advice. Thanks to Crisis Squad members Jennifer Hellman and Dr. Cheryl Ziegler. Today's Crisis Brief brought to you by the Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Number one, just say I'm sorry, period. No buts. An apology should be sincere and showcase full acceptance of responsibility. Number two, think about what comes after the apology and your actions for moving forward. Number three, identify your apology language and try to understand how your intended audience will receive it. You can even practice an apology with a friend. 
The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is a proud sponsor of the Crisis Files podcast. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is the area's most active business advocacy organization, playing a critical role in top issues impacting the region, including workforce development, education, housing, and transportation. Make your voice heard by becoming a member of the Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Learn more at mplschamber.com or Google Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Thank you to my podcast co-producer, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music. Want us to weigh in on your crisis? Email me, Rashini at RashiniGroup.com. That's R-O-S-H-I-N-I at RashiniGroup.com. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.